Welcome back to Throwback with Jack. Today, September 3rd, in 1791, the new French constitution, which declared France a constitutional monarchy, was passed by the National Assembly. Let's examine this. Now, going into 1789, France was in pretty bad shape. I mean, the peasants didn't like the feudal system. Granted, why would they? Feudal system only benefited the nobility. France was virtually bankrupt because of their involvement in the American Revolution. So that's the cost of loyalty, I guess. Uh, philosophes like Voltaire, Montesquieu, and Rousseau were widely read by the elite. So people wanted decision-making abilities. Or like power. Suddenly, if you read a couple philosophers, you think you're, you have what it takes to be in government. Crop failures in 1788 in the most populous country in Europe is not good. And also, side note, part of the reason peasants don't want the feudal system is because they don't want to give a portion of their crops to their liege lord. Oh, and the monarchy sucked, and uh, it couldn't handle the social and political pressure. So, in short, the system sucks, and it was time for change. But how to do it? Well, first of all, call a meeting of the nobles to re-examine the finances and propose reforms designed to eliminate the budget deficit by taxing the aristocracy more. Seems like a good plan. The poor are getting taxed more. Uh, so let's alleviate some of that pressure that they're feeling by taxing the rich, because that makes sense. And as expected, the aforementioned meet assembly met in February of 1787 and because they're the nobility. They refused to take responsibility for the reforms and uh, suggested calling the estate general, which represented the rest of the population. You know, the clergy, because the church, um, the aristocracy, or the rest of it at least, and the dreaded third estate, the commoners, the peasants, the local people. Well, not the local people, but like the guys working your fields, your vassals. <gasps> Shudder. Anyways, fiscal reforms were badly needed, and in the summer of 1788, unrest among the populace made King Louis XVI reappoint Jacques Necker. I mispronounced that last name, but who cares? Jacques Necker as finance minister and um, vowed to convene the estate general to do his job for him on May 5th, 1789. Oh, he also, like, in practice, allowed freedom of the press. France didn't have freedom of the press, but, like, because I guess it was the estate general, pamphlets were widely distributed going, support the third estate, help us get rights, and stuff like that. And they weren't imprisoned for uh, distributing them. So they met at the Palace of Versailles on May 5th, 1789, and immediately there was an issue, as there always is, invariably. Vote by person or by estate. Now what that means is that by person, every single person present would get a vote. So the most populous estate would have the natural advantage, which of course is the third estate because commoners make up more of the general population than the aristocracy. But if they voted by estate, that would concentrate power with the rich as the clergy and the aristocracy were controlled by the rich. So this issue, remember this means on May 5th, this issue lasts until June 17th, 1789, when the third estate so fed up with the proceedings, naturally, threatened to proceed without the other two estates because who wants to deal with guys that just are purposefully filibustering and delaying everything? 
So the parish priests supported them. So they were like, all right, let's do this. We got this. But on June 20th, royal officials locked them out of the meeting hall and expected them to go home. But this is my favorite part, actually. Like the geniuses that they were, they assembled on Louis' indoor tennis court and vowed not to disperse until there was a new constitution. This is now commonly referred to as the tennis court oath, and I think it is the greatest thing in all of history. Now, King Louis XVI obviously doesn't like the tennis court oath, so he urges the nobles and the clergy to join the assembly, like make peace with the Third Estate, and it's now called the National Constituent Assembly. But while Louis is um, telling the nobles to join the Constituent Assembly, he's also gathering troops to put an end to this meeting, which will take place on July 9th. And this gathering of troops around Paris worried the peasants. I mean, if like the most important peasants are um, gathering in Versailles and in Paris, and then suddenly there are a bunch of troops outside, you're going to be like, yo, king, what's good? Like, what are we supposed to do about this? What are you doing? So there's that, and there's also the added pressure that I mentioned uh, at the beginning, that crop failures, well, that's 1788, but the crops in 1787 were not doing well at all. So food supplies were dangerously low as well. And the peasants naturally jumped to conclusions, and they were right. They thought that the soldiers would attempt to disband them, which they were trying to do. So on July 14th, 1789, they stormed the Bastille which is a prison where the king's enemies, like political enemies, were kept. And it was a symbol of royal tyranny. This is known as Bastille Day in France, and it's commonly referred to as, like, French Independence Day. And again, Louis XVI is forced to um, yield to the masses, begrudgingly. But he's got more problems. This uprising was not just limited to Paris. In the provinces, peasants also rose against their liege lords. Remember those guys? They didn't want feudalism anymore. And they didn't want the teeth, which is the practice by which peasants gave 10% of their earnings to the Catholic Church. I mean, who wants that? Adding on to the hardships that peasants face on a daily basis, having to toil in the field, and then also having to toil on their liege lord's fields and giving some percentage of their crops and their earnings to the liege lord and then giving 10% of what they have left to the church. They have like 2% left, and that's only for them to feed them and their families. Like, that's just not right. So they decide that they don't want to do that. This is August 4th, by the way. And on August 26th, the National Assembly introduces the Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen, which I think is a bit wordy. The Declaration of Independence is very concise. It's very clear. This is what we want. Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen. Too many words. And they proclaim equality, liberty, the right to resist oppression. You need that. And the inviolability of property. However, the king, in all of his wisdom, refuses to allow the Declaration or the abolition of feudalism. Like, he just decides not to sign off on it. He doesn't sanction it or anything. So what do the peasants do? They marched to Versailles and brought the royal family back to Paris and worked on this new constitution that they had vowed to complete. Remember the tennis court oath. And in this new constitution, they decided to establish civil equality among men. But that's among men because women hadn't been invented yet and uh, slavery was still legal in the French colonies. 
So a very abridged version of equality. They enfranchised more than half the male population, nationalized church lands to pay off debt. So they basically seized church lands and reallocated them, which was a really good idea. They also tried to reorganize the church, but to no surprise, that didn't work. It, like, started a whole schism, like, in the clergy, so they just, like, gave up on that. Judges were, were to be elected rather than appointed by the king. The administrative system was replaced and administered by elected officials. So, as you can see, they want a republic, and they want elected officials, because that's what a republic is. And attempted to create a monarchy that shared power. This is still when they were in, like, we should have a monarchy phase, like, the monarchy is important and we need it. It's a symbol of who we are. The only problem is that the ponderous oaf, Louis XVI, tried to flee on June 20th, the 21st. And uh, they caught him, obviously. And uh, on September 3rd, 1791, the National Assembly decides that they want a constitutional monarchy. Very cool. Meanwhile, in the international world, and by international, I mean the other European monarchies and the other European powers. They'd been paying close attention to what was happening in France because they were worried that it would be like a sort of domino effect if the peasants actually win in France, so they attacked them. First, Austria on April 20th, 1792, because Louis XVI's wife, Marie Antoinette, maybe you've heard of her, was Austrian. She persuaded her brother. And Prussia would join in later also. Like, everyone was involved in this. And the commoners rightfully believed that the monarchy had betrayed them and imprisoned the royal family into Laos Palace. And in the beginning of September in 1792, the Parisian mob broke in and massacred any and all nobles and clergy that they found. And as you can tell by this, because of the invaders, French nationalism was on the rise. I think you can see how Napoleon gained power. French nationalism was on the rise and uh, momentarily stopped the Prussian advance on September 20th at Valmy. In that same day, the National Convention met for the first time and a day later decided they were done with the monarchy and established a republic. So no more constitutional monarchy. They went from monarchy to shared power with the assembly, like shared legislative and executive power with the assembly. Then they went to a constitutional monarchy then they decided, no, they were done with the monarchy in all of its forms. And then France descends into chaos. Well, not yet, but it's about to. The National Convention was split between the Girondins, Hidondins, I don't know how to speak French, who wanted to organize a republic for the nobility. So, feudalism, but republic just for the nobility. And spread the revolution over Europe. Which is a bit ambitious, if you ask me and the Montagnards, who wanted to give the lower classes more political and economic power. And if you just think about how this French Revolution started, it was all about the lower classes and the peasants getting more political and economic power, like having more agency. So obviously the Montagnards were really popular. The head of the Montagnards, or like the, guy, the most vocal guy, was this guy named Maximilien Robespierre. Robespierre. The Montagnards called for the trial of Louis XVI, who was subsequently found guilty on charges of treason and executed for said charges on January 21st, 1793. Marie Antoinette 
his wife would follow him nine months later and be guillotined. And we are off. So let's just recap a bit. There's a monarchy. Then there's maybe shared power with the assembly based on legislative and executive power. Then there's a constitutional monarchy. Then there's the just disbandment of the monarchy entirely. And then there's um, the murder of the monarchy. The separation of their heads from their bodies. Yeah, that's the end of the French monarchy. Thank you.